My name is Tom Johnson from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. This is a recording of a webinar that I gave to the STC Rocky Mountain chapter on February 19, 2009, and it's titled Blogging for Technical Communicators. I split this webinar into two parts. The first part is about a half hour, and the second part is about 40 minutes. So I hope you enjoy. If you have any feedback, go ahead and leave it in the comments below the post at I'dRatherBeWriting.com or send me an email at Tom at I'dRatherBeWriting.com. Thanks for listening. Just a little background. My name is Tom Johnson and as, um, was it Ron who introduced me or somebody else? My my blog is I'dRatherBeWriting.com and I've had it for several years and I blog about the latest trends in technical communication. And I work for a nonprofit organization in in Utah. I'm a technical writer and and it's really what I do during the day. But I also do WordPress consulting um, as a side job. And I do some podcasting. If you've heard some of my podcasts, um, I've had that for a couple of years as well. Tonight, I'm going to be talking about blogging, hopefully as much as possible relating it to technical communication. And there, there are a lot of different purposes for blogs. So um, some may, may be more relevant to you than others. But what I've found, um, I was sitting in a meeting yesterday, or actually a couple days ago, and after the meeting, it was just a regular project meeting, right? People, developers were getting around talking about whatever iteration they were on, the, the latest features they were putting in and things like that. And afterwards, the project manager came over to me and said, hey, Tom, I want you to stick around for 30 minutes. There's a, 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 somebody who wants to uh, want you to see this presentation. So this guy comes in, and, and he's this e-learning type guy from an outside source, right? And he sits down, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to demo my product. And he pulls open this, this snazzy-looking web page, which has these tabs at the top. If, if, if you can see the screen, you see this, uh, this sample of what he was showing. So it's got these fancy tabs, that, not fancy really, but just tabs at the top that make it look like a web page. It's got this search box. It's got these little modules with thumbnails, this nice navigation system. You go through these courses and you can, you have all kinds of content. You have flash and so forth. And then there's this whole discussion and interactive component where these people can uh, ask questions. They can interact with each other. They can, you have users helping users, which is a big buzzword among uh I don't know, project managers and other people, they get excited about that. So it was more of an interactive experience for learning this material. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, the traditional help file, uh, what you typically see when you open up help, like this Internet Explorer example, it's just static and, and kind of boring and it lacks all the appeal of what's online. Uh, when people are are online, they're, they're, they're getting used to the blog format. Um, whether people call it a blog or not, uh, maybe it's just a web 2.0 type of format. But the ability to add comments, to interact, is almost becoming the norm. Um, in a lot of newspapers that you read, a lot of times there's a comment section below the article, especially op-ed ones, at least that's how they do it in the New York Times, that's how the local ksl.com newspaper does it here. And interacting with content is becoming a, a very normal thing on the web. And, and yet when people open up a help file, it, it usually lacks all that, all those components. It doesn't have that interaction. And I feel that really 
help files are, they just lose appeal unless they can sort of join in with these other features in the web 2.0 world. And so I think the, the blog or the interactive experience um, online is becoming more and more of, of the norm. And, and actually, a lot of websites, they actually use blog software now. Uh, it, you may not even realize it, but for example, um, CNET, even the New York Times, Business Week, uh, other sites, they actually run off WordPress or, or other type of interactive software. And when people actually build websites now, they're, they're using these, these blog platforms, especially WordPress, as a micro CMS, micro content management system, just because it's easier. It's easier to manage the content. It's easier. You have a lot more uh, availability for all these richer uh, things that you can add in. You can add in, a, you can add in the ability to chat. You can add in uh, embedded flash videos. You can add in um, <clears throat> all kinds of interactive things. So because they're actually using this platform, the blog is just becoming a normal thing. It's just one more feature on the site. It's not necessarily something new and different. So now, anytime that I'm talking, I only have 10 slides here. I, I'm, I'm not a big PowerPoint person. Um, but anytime you have a question, just go ahead and interrupt me. Or, or I don't know if you can raise your hand on this thing, but you can also type it in the little chat window if you want to do, do it that way. But uh, I want to pause and, and just allow for as many questions as possible. So do you have any questions so far? Anybody? Good. Good. Okay. Well, we'll see if I can get into something a little more controversial. So one of the things that, that almost everybody says is, why bother to blog? And this picture right here is a picture of my wife and I at WordCamp, Utah. So WordCamp is one of these nerdy little WordPress get-together things. It's it's a very it's an informal conference basically, where all the users of WordPress in the community get together and they have kind of informal sessions. It's not that informal where it's like you show up and nobody knows what's going on, but it's it is pretty informal and people do it all over the world. Um, and and when you go to something like this, right? It cuts out of your free time. It's something you do as an extracurricular activity. And, and by and large, blogging often ends up being like this. You know, it depends what exactly what you're doing, whether you're writing a professional blog or, or some other blog. But it, it, but it is something that takes time. So the question is, why bother to blog? You know, people are always saying, like, I don't, I don't have time to blog. You know, blogging's great, but who has the time for it? And in order to, to really start to blog, you have to see some value in it. And for, for I'm going to talk about four major types of blogs and kind of what the major values you get out of these blogs. The first one, a, just a professional blog, like your own personal professional blog. Let's say it's about technical communication or, or whatever you're involved in. What do you get out of that? You, you really can brand yourself as somebody who's an expert in something. Uh, as soon as you start blogging about a topic, people just, they think that you, you know a lot about it, especially if that's the continued focus on your blog, even if you're just typing notes and um, what you're learning and things like that. You can also market products. And especially as you, you get a lot of search engine optimization on your blog, so you come high in Google, you can really sell sell things. So on my blog, even though the focus is technical communication, 
I also sell WordPress consulting, and I get a lot of queries just from that. So it can be a vehicle for whatever you're selling. Maybe you're selling Flare training, right? The more you post about about your Flare tips and tricks, you can really build trust in a community. I know that um, Eddie Van Arsdale has got a site up where he, there's a link on my blog, Simplifying Complexity, to it. And he blogs about Flare and he also gives Flare training. And it's a great way to showcase your knowledge and let other people know that, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. And people begin to trust you as they begin to read you. You, you build relationships with people who then um, might want to take your course or buy your product or or just um, buy you, right? If you're, if you're marketing yourself as a prospective employee. Um, there's another value too. And that's that as you blog, you, you kind of break out of your own little sphere of of where you are you connect with this global community and that's a lot of fun actually um for example just yesterday a guy who i've he reads my blog and he's in malaysia and he wanted to write a guest post and i'm like yeah that's great you know i'd love to read a guest post and and so the blog is this mechanism to go beyond yourself and that's actually it fits quite nicely for technical communicators because we're often well, we're not high on the totem pole in IT, so it's our chance to kind of escape that into our own little worlds um, and, and go beyond that. As far as like company blogs, most people see the value in that, uh, see the value in blogging as SEO, search engine optimization. So if through your blog you can appear on the first page of Google, that is a huge benefit. And um, Lots of people can spend thousands of dollars trying to figure out how to do that. And they can pay these search engine companies to try to get people to put links on their sites that tr raise your rank and so forth. But really, if you want to raise your, your visibility on Google, you just start a blog and, and write about topics that you're trying to rank for. You can also have product blogs. So I have a product blog for the stuff I document, right? Not every product would fit this, but if you have a if you have a product, and I know TechSmith does this a lot, right? They have um, their Visual Lounge blog, which showcases a lot of Camtasia Studio uh, uh, videos and things like that, screencasts. So on your product blog, you have a great opportunity to connect with users. A lot of times after you finish the help, you still have tons of material that you want to add, right? You have questions that you didn't think about or fixes or, or bugs that people are finding or, or other little things what do you do with all that information, right? Does it just, I mean, where does it live? Does it live in a knowledge base available to a support center or what? The blog is a perfect vehicle for that. You can just put that on there. Every time I help a user and they ask me a question, I usually put the answer on the blog because now the next time a person answers or asks me that question, I can just refer them to that blog. And if they're a smart user, they'll do some research first. Well, I shouldn't say smart user. If they're if they're a diligent user, they'll do a little homework first before calling me or calling somebody, and the answer will be there. Another good um, a good argument for the product blog is that you basically can move. This is a, to use terminology from Kathy Sierra, uh, who's who's a somebody in the community who who talks a lot about how people learn. Um, you can move users past the suck threshold. So users, when they start out using your software, they kind of suck at it, right? They're not very good. 
and they kind of maybe jump in the help file a little bit, but they get their feet wet enough so that they're comfortable and they, they know their way a little bit around the application. Well, at, through your blog, you can add additional tips, additional information, and spoon feed them one by one to kind of move them up into the advanced level. Um, if you can give people tips on a weekly basis or a little information, you can help them become power users. And once they get into that advanced level, then they really can promote your product, actually, and they become advocates of your product because they know it so well. We also have a team blog, and you know the, these all these type of blogs all have different purposes: the company blog, the personal professional blog, the product blog. For our team, we we have a SharePoint blog, and it works great as a focal point for discussion. It increases camaraderie. It um, helps managers connect with employees, so we know what each other's doing, and you know it's just a great piece to have on our team. And I can't imagine what it would be with like what it would be without it just because there's there's a lack of interaction without that that blogging component so those are some of the reasons why why we blog uh, the purposes behind it does anybody have any questions about about that all right let's move on now I said that search engine optimization was a big perceived value of blogging for companies and the latest projects that I've been doing in WordPress, almost everybody by far is always saying, look, I want to search engine optimize my content. I want to be on the first page of Google. Some guy called me the other day and he was really concerned that he was showing up ninth on the first on Google, uh, whereas before he had been showing up earlier and he wanted to know how to get up there because his business depends on it. Um, but but also there's other sort of interesting things that happen when you when you climb up the Google ladder. For example, my, my wife has a blog at whataboutmomblog.com and she wrote a post about man laundry, which is kind of um, poking fun at like uh, how I don't put the, the cap on the detergent and so forth, so it spills all over everywhere. Well, and she's giving tips on how to, how to get around that. So she wrote that months ago, but some other person had written an article called Mad at Dad and and it was all it was kind of about uh, the lackluster or the the lack of participation many husbands play in household chores and so to make a long story short this there was an AP writer who wanted to write a story on that that the AP writer googled man laundry and my wife's post comes up second up there it's an interesting post. She interviews my wife for uh, for a story, right? Some AP photographer ends up coming over to our house to take pictures of me getting the kids ready for church in the morning, right? And so this whole this whole little experience happened because my wife's post was search engine optimized for the keyword term man laundry, and you know whatever you're trying to rank for, really interesting things happen when you appear on the first page of Google because suddenly you're visible before the entire world. Um, and, and that can be really valuable. For example, uh, if I wanted to grow my WordPress consulting business, I'd want to rank high for those terms. And I actually do rank high for the, for the phrase WordPress consulting, um, but, but not for WhordPress consultant. So what, whatever you're trying to rank for, there are certain there, there are tips and tricks you can do 
to do that, right? It's not just a matter of luck. And the first one, well, there are three main factors behind SEO. There's keywords in your post, right? There's backlinks and there's site rank. So the keywords one is, is something you pretty much have the most control over. When you sit down to write something, you should think first about SEO. Think about the search keywords that you're trying to optimize for. And then use that as you write your post. If you just start writing your posts and later think, oh man, I should have used these words and try to jam them in there, it doesn't really work. And although this sounds simple, this is the most overlooked thing. I know people people are very interested in SEO, but then they sit down and they write a post that doesn't mention the keywords until like the second or third paragraph. So what you want to do to really optimize the those keywords for Google is put them in the title as the first words in the title and then put them in the first the first words of the body of your post as well and repeat them like maybe three times throughout the first and second paragraph right google's not dumb if you repeat it like five times in the title it just ignores you or penalizes you right but but it's really putting them in the title and that first paragraph that makes a huge difference and a lot of times the keywords don't fit in your title or by putting in them in the title, it makes your title boring because people don't search for clever titles. So this is one of the reasons why a lot of people like WordPress is because it offers some search engine uh, plugins that let you get around it. So there's this one called All-in-One SEO Pack that if you add, you, you then have the option to make a title that only Google sees and make that title different from the title that your readers see. So for your readers, you can have a clever, cleverly worded title, but for Google, you can have something that hammers home the keywords right up front. So, and that's one of many plugins that WordPress users have for, for search engine optimization. The second one is backlinks. So you may have heard of this, but it used to be that when you searched for the, yeah, uh, just a quick question. The What was the name of the tool that you referred to that helps you out with SEO? Okay, so this is a WordPress plugin. WordPress is a blogging application, blogging software, and the, t the plugin is All-in-One SEO Pack. So, okay, thank you. Sure. And somebody else actually asked a question on the chat. How much of your typical day at work is spent contributing to a team-like blog? I... I wouldn't say more than 10 or 15 minutes, really. Uh, if I have something I want to post, I keep it short, two paragraphs or so. And and then if people comment, you know, there's that. But, but yeah, I, I don't think you have to sit down and write a long post. And, and actually, you don't have to write a long post on any type of blog because nobody really reads long posts. I've written posts that are upwards of 2,000 words, and they get almost no comments because I think people people skim them and they don't want to they don't want to have to read that carefully um, we're going to get into more about how people read your content in a minute but a, a good blog just conveys a nugget of information and that's all you really want uh, a good blog post I mean so if you can get that out in three paragraphs or so that's all you really need to do and that doesn't take a lot of time I mean, a lot of people at work 
they'll participate on listservs, right? Or they'll do they'll go play foosball or something, right? So a, a short post on a blog doesn't take up a lot of time. All right, uh, back to SEO. The other major thing. Oh, we've got a. F- okay, go ahead. Yeah, are the keywords the same thing as tagging or like an index? How does that work? Tags are usually something different. Tags are labels that you can add to the post that kind of describe the post like index keywords or something. They're like micro categories. But when I'm talking about keywords, I just mean in the body of your text as you're typing. When you just start the first sentence of your post, those keywords are important. They're critical. And and tags, sure, they're important. You want to use the same tags as your keywords, right? You want emphasize to those, emphasize those. But uh, I don't think Google scores them as highly as your body texts. And we'll get into that a little bit later as well, uh, tagging versus categories and things like that. In fact, if you looked at my latest post, I posted a tag cloud. So a flash tag cloud on, if you go to idratherbewriting.com. And so tags are kind of interesting because the more posts you have, the more tags you have. And I think I have at least uh, six or 700 tags on my site alone and, and whether they're useful or not, I'm not quite sure. Okay, I got another question from Jeffrey Rao. Can you address creating a relationship between blogging with a tool such as WordPress and Twitter? So you want to know how WordPress and Twitter can help you create a relationship? Um, all right, let me just, if you want to follow up with more clarification, I can, but Twitter is like a microblogging platform, and it's an important part of, of blogging. I, I would not omit Twitter at all, even if you don't post much to Twitter, um, because you can at least send your blog titles automatically across Twitter so that people can read them, because there are some people who, who like Twitter. But Twitter only provides you 140 characters, and it's hard to build relationships in 140 characters. At the same time, Twitter kind of gives you a glimpse of what's going on in people's lives between the blog posts, as somebody once said, um, because you see what people's lives are kind of like. For example, I know from reading, following Sharon Burton, that she gets up early in the morning and that she needs her coffee and that her dog is usually wagging its tail or going crazy. So that kind of stuff you often don't see um, just reading the blog posts or or meeting them in person. And that does kind of increase uh, some kind of a relationship, right? You get a little more sense of the person that's going on. All right. Any more questions right now? Uh, Tom, can you tell us about how you use things like Dig and Delicious to... Promote yeah. Your so dig is, if you go to dig, D-I-G-G dot com, uh, it is one of those sites that you can aggregate information uh, or, or that people can, it, it aggregates interesting content that people submit. So if you, if you wrote a really cool post and somebody submits it to dig and then other people vote that they dig it as well, and it rises up, and it can possibly get a lot of hits. However, the reason I'm a little bit, um, I'm not so excited about Dig is because it's got a very select sort of audience. It really depends what you're writing about. If you're writing about tech stuff, and you've got something quirky or really kind of interesting, um, it may it may do well on Dig. But 
like I write about technical communication, which has a very limited audience, and it's never going to, to zoom up on Dig. So it's kind of like one of those sites that doesn't do a lot. I have a site called writerriver.com, which is kind of my implementation of Dig um, without the voting, just because not a lot of people vote. But if you go to writerriver.com, you can submit articles and about anything that you read, and other people can, can receive those posts, and you get more visibility that way. Stumble upon delicious. These are all good options. You can you can put little um, buttons below each post that that facilitate people um, contributing to those to those things. So if you go to my site, uh, there's there's a plugin I have called Zyblog Social or something like that that uh, gives you like 300 options of social media sites you can choose and put there from LinkedIn to Delicious to Dig and so forth. So if somebody's reading your post and and they like it. It makes it easier for them to submit to these sites. Actually, you know, I shouldn't underestimate StumbleUpon because uh, I don't know if you guys follow powar.com, but it's a site by John Hewitt. And he had a contest one month for to see how many people, well, to see which guest post could get the most hits. And the person who won would get $250. So I thought, man, I should do this. I've got a lot of readers. I could totally win, right? So I wrote a really good post that I, well, what I felt was a good post, and I tried my best to get people to go over there. But in the end, it didn't really get that many more hits than other people's posts. But one person got like 14,000 hits on her post. And the trick was simply that she had submitted it or somebody had submitted it to stumble upon and this is a service, if you haven't seen it, it's like it randomly serves up web pages in a topic that you, you'd like to browse. So sometimes those sites can be really beneficial. What was the name of the site you just mentioned by John Hewitt? Powar.com, P-O-E-W-A-R. It's something like Poetry Writer Resource or something like that. All right, let's move on a little bit and go into the most difficult part of blogging. Now, this is a picture of Erasmus, who was like a 16th century Dutch humanist of some kind. But he said, the desire to write grows with writing. And when I was in college, this, there used to be this quote hanging on the wall of like the writing center where, where I was um, a writing fellow and so forth. And this quote has stuck with me because if there's one thing that is true with blogging, it's this quote. Um, if you start to write, the more you write, the more ideas come to you. It's just how the brain works. So it's actually easier to write every day or every other day than it is to write to write like a blog post once a week or once every two or three weeks. Because when you write every day, even if you don't publish it, right? If you just write every day, it teaches your brain to be thinking of writing topics. And in the background, you're generating ideas. Even when you're cooking or taking out the trash or taking a shower or doing whatever, in the back of your mind, your brain is thinking, oh, you know, is it's looking for ideas and it's, it's processing. And as soon as you stop writing, your brain says, oh, I don't need that information anymore. Go ahead and shut that subconscious sort of uh, finding mechanism off. So... If you're having writer's block, the best solution is just to write. And yeah, sure, I, 
I've gone through periods where I just don't have anything to say. I feel like I've got nothing to say. So I'll just throw up a post and then I'll get back into the rhythm. But uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day called WordPress Weekly. And one of the people was, they were talking about how to generate ideas. And their suggestions were basically to immerse yourself in information, in, in reading, in reading forums or listservs or other posts. Uh, all of this information will trigger ideas. So, of course, y- you, know, you want to just make this a natural part of who you are, right? And you should be blogging about topics that you're naturally interested in or that you have a professional vested interest in, one of the two, right? Hopefully those two match. But as you do, these ideas will just naturally come to you. It's really the heart of blogging, basically, is generating content. If you can do this on a regular basis, then you will amass large quantities of posts. You know, you will begin to to write enough content so that your site rank increases, so that you get more more value, more visibility, right? If you just write one post a month, your blog is not going to take off. So you've really got to be generating this content. And it can be extremely difficult to do this, to find time to blog if other people around you don't value blogging. So for example, if you're, if you're, if you have a personal blog at home, but your spouse doesn't value blogging, doesn't blog. And every time you sit down at a computer, it's like, what are you wasting your time for? Can you help out? Can you clean? Can you do something? Then it's going to be a battle. Same with work. If you have some kind of product blog, but your manager thinks that it's a complete waste of time or something that has no value, then you're gonna, it's not going to generate. generate you're not going to have the time or, or you're not going to have the motivation. Or let's say you do have a product blog, but you don't have any like time to bill effort towards it or you don't have any billing time allocated for that kind of activity so it's kind of like well you have a blog but we don't value blogging enough to actually allow you to bill any time for it well then that's going to be a challenge as well so you kind of have to have purpose not only not only from others people have to value it somewhat right people around you but you have to believe in what you're doing yourself. If you don't have a very strong purpose, then you're not going to generate content regularly. And it's going to be something that becomes a chore. But at the same time, don't don't get overwhelmed with it. Remember, as I, as I was saying earlier, blog posts can be short. You're just trying to communicate a nugget of information. It can be three paragraphs or a page. You don't have to write some mini novella, right? Although you could. People have have been successful with actually writing little novellas. Um, but by and large, you can keep your posts short, keep them relevant to what you're interested in, and if you do it regularly, the content will flow. Do you have any questions about about that part or anything else right now? Okay. That was the first half of the webinar. It is continued in a part two, which is the next post or the next download in iTunes.